This podcast was recorded on the lands of the Boonwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. The land on which I am lucky enough to raise my son always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Flexibility back then was not really a thing. My husband's view of what it would look like and mine were quite different in that initial conversation. Mostly men who saw this woman with this very large belly in front of them and I think they all thought I was going to go into labour then and there. Fear, I guess, of being out of the workforce for that extended period. I now say don't be grateful, but I was grateful. I woke up in cold sweat and thought, I don't think I can do this. Often, post-motherhood, we do want to redefine ourselves. Tina Randello is the Chief Commercial Officer of global skincare brand Alpha H. She's also a mother of two and the founder of the Encore Ship, a return to work program providing opportunities for women and mothers who have been out of the workforce for an extended period. She's held down massive roles. She's worked both full-time and part-time alongside her parenting journey. And she's learned a lot from navigating it all for 13 years. And what seems to make her a great leader is that she believes in women. She wants to see each and every woman find their own version of success. And until she's done that, she considers her work unfinished. Here, we talk about redefining ourselves post-motherhood. Why selfish needn't be a dirty word. And why sometimes we just need to give that thing a go and see what makes sense when it comes to making work, work. I'm Lucinda, this is Ready or Not, and here is the wise and whip-smart Tina Randello. Tina, thank you for being here. Could you please start by introducing yourself and your family? Yes. Hi, uh, Tina Randello, and um, I am a mum of two children. I have Taj, who is 13, and Kara, who is eight, uh, and married to Craig, my, my husband. And so you're the Chief Commercial Officer of one of my favourite skincare brands. Can you take us back to the start of your career? It's a pretty impressive CV. Uh, my CV is probably quite different to most people in roles like mine. I've worked across lots and lots of different industries um, and more recently over the last six years uh, the focus has been skincare and specifically Australian brands looking to uh, expand into global markets. I started my career uh, in the lab as a chemist and it's really nice to actually find myself back in in a role that allows me to tap into different aspects of my career. My technical start uh, and really, you know, my role focuses mostly on brand innovation, digital and e-commerce. And when did talks of starting a family enter the picture for you and your husband? Was it something that stressed you out from that career point of view? I think both my husband and I both had an understanding that we would like to have a family one day, but it certainly wasn't something that was high on the agenda initially. So our focus was really getting together, forming our relationship. Eventually we got married. Um, we, we did lots of travel. We tried to, we were quite both quite career focused. And then once we'd been married for several years, then it just became a natural progression. And then we started that conversation around what it would look like. 
I, it did stress me. It, and I think the reason for that was I hadn't really seen lots of role models in my career that were doing the juggle in a way that I hoped it would look like for me. And so, you know, lo- lots of career parents, but looked like they were really compromising family for work or the opposite, you know, people who had dedicated themselves to family and then given up their career. And I knew I wanted to do both. Um, But at that point in my career, I'd always worked for very large organisations. Flexibility back then was not really a thing. We were in the office. We were long hours. Uh, You know, even if you left um, at six o'clock, that was seen as early. So it was getting early, work late, and the more time you spent at work was really a badge of honour and it was seen as something um, that should be rewarded and recognised and it was hard to imagine how having young kids could fit into that equation. So, yeah, it, I did worry about it. And you and your husband early on had an understanding that it was a shared job between you in and out of the home to raise a family and pursue both of your careers. Was this quite a specific conversation or did this happen quite naturally just based off your relationship as a whole? Well, it's a, it's actually a good question because, and my husband loves telling this story, but I do vividly remember going out for dinner one night and we were talking about starting a family. And both of our our parents had quite traditional roles. And I guess, you know, those, the way you are brought up, the way, what you see is what your social norms and your family norms, I guess, are, are based off. And so my husband's view of what it would look like and mine were quite different in that initial conversation. And I've never done this before, but we actually did end up having a discussion and I was so upset that his view differed from what I remember walking out on him um, in the restaurant and and obviously then we calmed down and had really great conversations around what it would look like but those conversations keep kept happening because you just don't know what life is going to look like. So at at every point, even to today, we are constantly negotiating and discussing what that shared responsibility looks like. And it's not always 50-50. In fact, most of the time it's not. but, But hopefully as you average things out over time, there's a good balance between both of us. Mm, A lot of people don't know to even have these conversations because it's so hard to know what you don't know with parenting. Are you just a planner? Is that how you knew to have these conversations? Or how did you even know to have these discussions pre-babies? Well, I I don't know if we did. I think we just started talking about having a family and then the the notion of taking time off and who would be the primary caregiver. And again, even just the concept of primary caregiver is a concept that I don't, I'm not aligned with today. But back then, even if I look at how we structured things originally, if I was doing it today, I would do it differently. And that's just Mm. because, you know, 13 years later, I've seen a lot, I've experienced a lot. And what I mentioned to you earlier, my little sister's just had a baby and what I talk to her about and the advice I give to her is actually different to what I did. Not that I would change anything, not that I regret it, not that it was wrong, but I think as we develop, as we see different models, I guess that just helps us inform what it could look can look like. Mm, and even though 13 years doesn't sound like that long a period of time in the grand scheme of things, like the world's changed a lot, so societal pressures 
back then I can imagine were huge compared to now, which leads into my next question. Your son came into the world some 13 years ago. Before we get into new motherhood, what was pregnancy alongside work like for you? It was actually pretty good. I was I was very healthy. Uh, I worked up until uh, Taj was born at 38 weeks. He was breached, so was born by C-sections. And I, and I worked, was that four weeks before? I stopped four weeks early. I was quite large. So I remember my last presentation, we were in planning mode, and I remember standing doing a presentation. And I don't think anyone was listening to what I was saying because it was a room <laughs> full of mostly men who saw this woman with this very large belly in front of them. And I think they all thought I was going to go into labour then and there. And um, my my boss at the time was, was a great mentor and friend and, and manager and said to me, Tina, you've just left things in such a great place, but now it's time to go and look after yourself. And I was going fast right until the end and I, I did need to stop at that point. But, yeah, I was able to manage it uh, really well and have good balance throughout the pregnancy and um, and I was very passionate about leaving things in a really good state. In fact, I now reflect on that and think I didn't need to be, it didn't need to be so defined because inevitably I was handing over to someone who would needed to define things in their own way. Um, but that kind of high control and fear, I guess, of being out of the workforce for that extended period, what would that look like? Would that remember me will I have a role to come back to like all of those concerns went through my mind like they do I think many women and my approach was just leave things in the best way and and hope that you know there's something to come back to and and there was and it all worked out really well but you don't know at the time yeah it's a very it feels like you're sort of on the edge of a cliff because you're jumping into the unknown. So I can totally relate. I think my handover package to my mat leave cover was as militant as I possibly could have made it. So I totally appreciate that sentiment. Do you think it took your manager telling you that you need to step back for you to let yourself step back? Yeah, I think I I knew that it was time and I and but I think hearing it from someone else and having the recognition that things were in a great place was was just that 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 kind of encouragement that I needed to. And I think culturally in large corporate organisations back then, because being seen was being seen to do a good job, it was probably even scarier to be away from work. But I think now that we've seen that people can work flexibly, can work from home, can do lots of great things even if we don't see them in an office from 9 to 5 or 8 to 6 or 7, um, I, I hope that things are a little different and a little easier for women these days. And then your son does enter the world. What were those early days of motherhood like for you? Two extremes. You see joy and delight and emotions like I'd never experienced before, but fear and worry and you know, all this pressure, I guess, to have this little baby so dependent on us as parents. And it was, yeah, so a, a real mix of emotions all the time. Uh, but, but you know, amazing and, and, and a really special time in our life. I feel like you were just inside my brain. One thing that I 
thought when I was early postpartum was, or not thought, but felt was just that weight of responsibility. You can't prepare yourself for that. And the emotions of it, the highs and the lows of like, wow, this is my baby and this doesn't stop. This job does not yeah. stop. And speaking of jobs, yeah, there's the one at home and then there's going back to your career. What did your maternity leave look like and how did you feel when you started to approach that return to work? I worked for a large dairy business um, back then and I'd worked there for many, many years. So I had a really great reputation. I had lots of connections at many different levels and across lots of the organisations. So I had said I'd take between six and eight months. I did take eight months off with Taj. And when I spoke to um, my director, when I was starting to think about about a month before starting to think about returning, he he said, you know, we want you back in your old role. It's going to be fantastic. And it was the last thing I wanted. I wanted to return, but I didn't want to go back to my old role. And I only realized that after I'd been away for a little while. I'd been in the role for a while. I'd changed so much. The organisation had changed. The thought of going back and doing exactly what I was doing before just did not excite me and did not motivate me. And I was really lucky because the business had acquired um, the Nestle yogurts business. And in dairy back then, somewhat still is today, but yogurt was really seen as the wellness side of dairy. And it was an area I was really interested in even more than I had been before having kids so I asked and said actually I'd really love to come back but but change category and uh, look after yogurt and um, I was lucky timing was right um, as I say I had the right you know experience and, and credibility behind me to um, be given that opportunity to come back into an equally level role uh, but managing this really exciting new part of the business the complication was I didn't want to work five days a week. Um, I knew that if I asked to do three days a week, I would be seen as the poor cousin and wouldn't be given a, a kind of equi level role. So I thought my compromise was four days. So I pitched it. I was actually, I was grateful. I, I, I now say don't be grateful, <laughs> but I was grateful and I made it work. And for me, having the Friday with my son was really critical just to have our time together. And there's also so many activities that you want to do with children that you just can't do on, on the weekend. So the little activities, the mother's group get-togethers, that it worked. That, re that model really worked for me. When he'd sleep, I'd do a little bit of work. And I was, I, I felt on top of things, I could manage the workload. And it was for, for me, for us, it was a really good model. And um, I'm glad that it worked for both the organisation and me. And what about those days leading up to the return? And then I guess those first few weeks, the logistical and the emotional side, how did that play out? Emotionally, I felt ready and excited to go back. There's always apprehension. Uh, I, I was also very, very lucky that we have both my husband and my family in Melbourne and willing and capable uh, and wanting to look after the children. So my mum actually cared for Taj initially on those four days. We knew, I knew it was just a short-term thing. She would have happily done it, I think, long-term, and I knew that it was just going to be too much for her. So initially he was with his nana who he adores still to this day they're so close and I think having the time together probably allowed that 
bond to really form. So that made it much easier. And and then in the months to follow, we worked through different childcare options. Eventually landing on the right model for us was having a nanny come and look after him in the home. We tried childcare, but he kept on getting quite ill and um, the paediatrician said, for some kids, it just doesn't work. Um, and he's a really healthy kid now, but just in those early days, uh, that environment wasn't working for him. So we had a great model where we had these adorable university students um, who would either be learning teaching or nursing or those types of disciplines uh, that come and help us in the home. And they, we, I still came in contact with many of them, actually. They've all formed a really amazing part of our family. The downside is you only have them for a few years because then they graduate and they get full-time jobs. So each time we knew that that period was coming and we had to re-advertise and go through that interview process, I would feel sick at the thought of having to go through it. Um, But I think all of our experiences, bar one, we had one that just didn't work out, but otherwise really great role models for the children and I love the fact that they had me their dad their nana their nanas and then these really vibrant young smart women to also play a role in their development. That's such a lovely mindset and it reminds me of my interview with Lael Stone she was saying how attachment parenting is important for these bonds and for kids to feel safe but it's not actually about them just being attached to their two parents it's about them developing these attachments with a wide range of people and it comes back to that village so I love the way you looked at it as this great thing of like bringing people in that are all going to teach your kids different things and give your kids different things so that's a really beautiful way of looking at it you then add your daughter to your family some five years later what was it like becoming a mother of two from that career point of view? I felt ready. We felt ready. It had been almost five years and uh, Taj was was a little older. He was quite settled. Um, I was also at a point in my career where I was starting to think about wanting to do something different. I'd worked for very large businesses my whole career and was starting to form the view that I might want to start to think about smaller, more entrepreneurial businesses. So the timing felt right to take some time off. I took a year with with her and my son was starting yeah, prep that year as well. So I wanted to be there for him. And logistically, they have so many days off that first period of, of their school year. I wanted to get to know the mums at the school. So it that really worked. Um, and then I did go back to the same organisation after Kara as well, but only very briefly. Uh, and then decided it was time to to end that journey. I'd been in the organisation for a really long time and I thought we, unless I leave and give myself the space to think about what's next, I'm just going to keep staying in that organisation because it was great. They, they I was respected, I was looked after, I had great opportunities, I'd had so many different roles within the one business was almost too easy to stay so I did then leave and and then you know very quickly new opportunities presented themselves Um, but then in finding that next opportunity I did start I took on a five-day role and um, it was with an organization uh, an amazing woman was leading it Uh, she was not flexible at all in her mindset and I took the role I was then, it was the week before I was joining. I woke up in a 
cold sweat and thought, I don't think I can do this. Two kids, five days. It was a really big role. It's the biggest I'd had um, in terms of seniority and scope. And I thought, I think I have to pull out. And I was reading the Sheryl Sandberg book, uh, Lean In. And I'm glad that someone had recommended I read that because she tells a great story around rather than preempt what's going to happen, just give it a go. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And so I talked myself into starting and just seeing if I could make it work. And I'm glad I did because I did make it work. It was tough, but I did make it work and we made it work. But I I nearly pulled out. (laughs) I love that preemptive thing because I've found that a lot in motherhood and career, I guess, now reflecting on the things that motherhood makes you aware of and makes you self-reflect on, that the thinking about the thing is always worse than actually doing the thing. Has that been your experience? So true. Yep. It is always. And if you just get into it. And the other thing she talks about is just do what you can do and see if that make sense because we assume we have to do this and start and end our day here and she says just just do what you can do and sure if then the the organization says this doesn't work for us and what they want you can't deliver to great okay you you get to a point where it's clearly not going to work but yes that's one learning is the extrapolation as well from a point you know there are every during motherhood I feel like particularly in the early days it's very cyclical. It's good. There are good days and there are bad days. And if you take any one point and extrapolate out and think, this is my life, you are wrong. And it can be really scary. So yes, just being in the moment, I think is a really good piece of advice and not preempting and nor extrapolating out from the current place forward. We'll be right back after this short break. As a busy mum, I love a baby carrier. But in my search, I really struggled to find one that offered both functionality and style. So I was absolutely wrapped when I found Portia, a brand that was created by busy parents for busy parents. Portia was designed with simplicity in mind, empowering you to go about your day with baby in tow without compromising on style. Thanks to Portia, Listeners of Ready or Not can receive a $20 voucher by using the code RON20 upon checkout at portia.com.au. This voucher is valid until June 12, and we'd like to thank our sponsors. And you're a mother of two that I guess are entering their next phase of life, pre-teen and a teen. What is a day in the life of Tina like from getting out the door for work, trying to navigate the kids and getting them to wherever they need to go and then getting to your work day. How is it all working now? It's much easier, much, much easier than it was in the early days. So my son is at high school now, so he's very independent. He catches transport to school and home and um, and it's just a joy to see him be able to to do that uh, and actually not miss his tram once in the, in, the, in the first year and a half of high school. So I don't know how, but wow. I it would happen but it has so that's amazing my daughter we still drop her to school the school's very local um, my husband works on the peninsula so he has a long drive um, ahead of him but he tends to do the drop off 
Uh, and I, because we do a lot of work with the US and the UK, I tend to have early meetings and then later. So often I will start my day pretty early. I try and get to the gym at least three to four times a week. That's a, that's a six o'clock, um, a six o'clock session. On the days I'm not doing that, I'll, you know, get up, I'll tend to just clear emails, check what's happened the night before, have any early calls with the US. Then I come into the office. Office is actually really nice and close to home. Uh, and and then I work from home a couple of days a week on Mondays and Fridays. So I pick my daughter up from school and then, you know, either finish or on a Friday, try and finish and do something fun with her. On a Monday, I tend to keep working. And that's typical, but then there's travel and there are evening commitments and school sports and all of that that makes every day and every week different as well. So just constantly being flexible with my husband and my schedules and communicating a lot around, you know, what we've got on and what we've got coming up and seeing how we can support each other. Because some weeks, you know, if you're away for the whole week, that person, the other one has to really do the heavy lifting. Mm. And that's tricky, but it doable and it, it does work. Communication seems to be a huge one. And I've heard of the concept a lot, which I'm sort of loosely implementing is like the family meeting of talking about what's going on in your week so that you can best support each other and understand where each other's coming from. Is that how you manage your weeks ahead? We, uh, we actually try and eat as a, as a family every night. Um, I mean, sometimes the kids will have late sports so that it doesn't work. But most nights we will actually sit uh, old school, have dinner together and uh, talk about our day, talk about what's coming up. And I guess we don't really, we don't call it that and it's not structured in that way. But yeah, we, we're constantly talking about what's ahead and the shared diaries is, is very useful as well. So putting it in my husband will pop his things in mind and vice versa. And then now we really add all the kids' activities in as well. So we know where everyone has to be at any point in time. And we haven't really talked about your role at Alpha H. Can you tell us about a little bit about what you do there? Yeah, um, well, Alpha H is a gorgeous company. It um, The brand started over 27 years ago and we are a skincare brand, Australian skincare brand, really specialising in heroing exfoliation, which is a, a natural process that happens for our skin. But like with many things, as we age, that process slows. So our products are really designed to just work with the skin, give it a little nudge, allow the skin to shed itself um, and, and really just reveal our own gorgeous, healthy, glowing skin. Um, and then we complement that with different moisturizers and cleansers and protectors. But that's that's really uh, that's really what we do. And uh, my role really focuses on the brand innovation, digital and e-commerce part. Um, so those really market facing areas, uh, spending lots of time with our great retail partners. Most of our business happens through retailers like Sephora and Mecca and Adore, for example, in Australia. And then um, similar um, brands like Colt in the UK and Sephora in the US. So um, really, it's a great role. I 
get to spend time in here in the office with the team three days a week. We do lots of collaborative work, um, but then on screens with our international team. And and then the best part is really when I get to sit in front of retailers and, and when we really collaborate on the industry and our products and how we can help everyone have great skin and have the confidence of great skin. It sounds like a great place to work and a big part of your passion also lies in the Encore Ship, which is an amazing program that I've actually been aware of for a few years now. Before we get into what the program is, can you tell us who inspired this? It dates back um, far earlier than I realised at the time, but um, my parents both worked when I was little and my grandmother, my mum's mum, would pick us up from school and care for us until dinner when mum would usually come and pick us up. And um, my mother is Italian. My grandparents um, migrated to Australia when they were adults. So quite traditional in, in many aspects of, of life. But one thing my grandmother was always really clear on was having independence as a woman um, and being in control of your own destiny and being empowered in your own right. But part of that is financial empowerment, financial literacy, financial empowerment, and never being dependent on anyone else. She was a big believer in education and, um, and then having a great career and always said to me from a very, very young age, you work hard to get to where you get to. You should never give that up even after you have a family. That was her belief. It was what she taught me. Um, it's what I believe now, not to say that that's the model for everyone, but it's certainly what she taught me. And I remember it really strongly. And um, it certainly has made me the person that I am and was probably the reason I walked out of my husband that, that day at dinner when he suggested that I'm, <laughs> our life might look different. <laughs> Um, but um, in 2020, during COVID, I became aware of what was happening to women in Australia, where COVID had disproportionately impacted women in work. Um, the industries that skew to women um, were more severely impacted, meaning more women were out of work. Um, and also women did also tend to do the heavy lifting in the home when it came to homeschooling. So we saw women disproportionately impacted by job losses. And then when I unpicked that with um, an amazing lady called Leonora, Leonora Reese, who's an economist at RMIT, to better understand the issue, because when I unpicked the kind of current issue and talked to people about it, everybody had an example of someone they knew for many, many reasons, not just having children, but often that was the, the the driver, take time out of work, a year becomes two, becomes three, and then that hill just seems too big to overcome in terms of getting back. And Leonora helped me understand that actually that this is a thing. It's a thing. It's not a, it's not a COVID thing. It is something that is systemic in our, in our country. Um, it's a very long-standing trend where both females and, and males in terms of their participation in the workforce is really, really similar until the mid-20s, um, typically when, uh, when we parent and then you do start to see a really big delta in terms of participation in the workforce. And, you know, for some women, that's a choice. Um, for some women, it's the right model for them. And we celebrate that and say that's fantastic. But what we became aware of was this really large pool of women in Australia who actually want to work, 
but can't can't because they lose confidence, they lose connections, and they are amazing skilled women with so much to offer uh, that just can't get back into the workforce. So we decided to start a program where a bunch of brands, and it's growing every year, and we're on the hunt to get more brands involved because the more brands, the more roles, and the more women we can help. Um, And essentially, we open our doors, we create these three-month roles, we call them encoreships, the program's called the encoreship, and the notion of the encoreship is about coming back, uh, coming back and coming back even better than you did the first time. Um, They're not interns, they're not not graduates, they're not graduated students, these are worldly women with a lot to offer, lots of work experience and even more life experience. And when you put the two together, you get an amazing combination of skill, of passion. Um, and and we have benefited from the last couple of years uh, having three encores in our business. So they're three-month paid roles. Uh, we bring the women in, we give them, it can be a role, it can be a project, um, it's it's designed to work for both the organisation and the women. It's about saying you have a role, just think about giving that role or recruiting a woman and not judging her by her CV, not judging a gap as a stain on her career, but actually looking beyond that and looking beyond what she may have done before and saying, right, I don't have a role exactly like that, but actually thinking about her skills and thinking about transferable skills and how they can apply to a role or a project you have. Um, And, of course, thinking about flexibility in that because it is is generally a requirement for all these women. But it works. The program works. We've had huge success. Uh, Over 80% of the women who participated have gone on to secure full-time, well, full-time or part-time, but permanent roles. Uh, And what, I guess, the insight was, what do you need to secure a role? You need confidence and you need a story to tell. And the three-month encoreship provides exactly that. It gives them content to talk to. It allows them to talk about the work they did, the outcomes they achieved. It gives them the confidence and it updates their connections both within the organisation they work, amongst the encores themselves, but then within the broader network of businesses that come together. So they are a bunch of like-minded businesses such as Adore Beauty and Mamma Mia, Dish Clothing, Shona Joy, to name just a few, many in the beauty and fashion industry and um We just hosted a lunch actually this week in Sydney where we all got together and the energy in the room was just amazing, just talking about our experiences and the amazing talent we've been able to find through the program. And in an environment where um, talent, good talent is hard to find, um, it it works on many levels. What I love about this especially after us chatting about how scary it can be to sort of dive into something too, is that 
these people that may have been out of the workforce and even if all they had was motherhood on their cv i don't need to tell you that we still think you know it's such a huge job and you learn so many skills from that and there's so much to be proud of in there but what i love about this as well is that because they're sort of signing up to three months too it's just diving into something short term that lets them taste things without being like oh do i make this big decision or don't i so it sounds like in a great program is there anything in particular that's coming up next for it are you expanding into different areas or is it just focusing on this extra brand growth yeah we we start year one we had five brands it was it was designed to be a pilot we wanted to make sure that when when these women come onto the program and we've had women that have been out of work for up to 15 and beyond years so very big patches out of the workforce they are often vulnerable and what I wanted to make sure was that we developed a program that was very sympathetic to who they are and not just gave them the role, but with the right brands, with the right mentors in those organizations to coach and develop them. So we started small and then year two, we doubled participation to 10. Uh, I would love to get to 20 roles this year and each year just continue to grow. We get over 250 applications each year. So until we can put every woman into a role, there's still a lot of work to do. The The, the development of the program last year, um, we introduced some personal branding, workshopping and, and training and development with an amazing lady called Carly Lyon who does this virtually. And it's a real highlight of the program because often post-motherhood, we do want to redefine ourselves. We want to take the next step, you know, find our encore. And that training gives them lots of practical tools from simple things like the way we want to dress and how the impression we want to leave with people in the workforce and beyond. And how do we define ourselves to be mothers and, you know, employees and partners and and the list goes on and how does that kind of all work cohesively so the training and development part is a really important part and something I'd love to develop further Uh, and the other really critical part is the role that six degrees executive plays so really important that we give these women the the career um, opportunity to come and work with us but then just don't say that was great thank you Good luck. Um, And so Six Degrees does one-on-one workshopping and coaching and development to work with these ladies to say, right, what happened? What did you enjoy? What didn't you enjoy? What does that then look like? What role would you like? And and maybe it's not another role. Maybe it is a break afterwards or some training or an opportunity to start their own business. There's no predefined right or wrong. It's really whatever works for each individual. Um, many uncles stay on with the brands that they they work with. It's not the intention, but it just sometimes happens that opportunities present themselves. And we actually, both our uncles, we took on two last year, both are still in our business uh, this year or have stayed on with us, which is is a great a, a great um, testament to the quality of women who apply for the program. And in fact, one of the ladies, Claire, is now managing and coordinating the program. Um, so oh, wow. full circle with her, which I'm just so happy about. It's such an exciting and robust program. And at the end of the show, I'll definitely get you to tell our listeners where they can find it if they're at that phase and they're interested in applying. But before I let you go, as someone who's been through 
it all as a working parent. You've had 13 years of doing this now. What advice would you give to someone like me who's at the, the other end of it at the start? Uh, the, the biggest piece of advice and, and probably the thing I see so often with friends and family where it's not that it goes wrong but I think is just an opportunity to do it better is we when we when we become parents, we want to give so much to our children and that's amazing. But if we don't take care of ourselves first, we actually can't be great parents. We actually can't be great partners, friends. So being a little bit selfish in parenthood, and I, and I hate to use the word selfish because I don't think it is, but sometimes what we think might be a bit selfish is actually a good thing. So sticking to the gym sessions, sticking to or whatever it is that gives you balance and enjoyment, like focusing on our health, focusing on our wellness as individuals, um, I, I really believe allows us to be great parents and great role models because what our kids see is what they then think is the norm. So if they see mum coming back from a run or a yoga session or work or doing anything that fills her cup, and then she's happy, then that's what they see as as the norm. So I, I really do think that that's a really important part of parenting is, is actually looking after ourselves. That's been one of the best pieces of advice that I've heard in different ways from my guests. And I love the notion of you thinking about your kids and what they see and what you then want them to action because we don't think about ourselves very often and we don't think about our self-care for just the pure fact of our own self-care, we think about it for them. But then if you think about your kid growing up in the world, you want them to have boundaries, you want them to look after themselves. How do we expect them to do that if we don't? So I've really taken that on board and I think it's such great advice. Before I let you go, if you could solve one problem for working parents in Australia today, what would it be? I have a little quick story for you to, to answer that question. I said to my, I was talking to my kids about this lunch that we hosted in Sydney to raise awareness and action for the Encore ship this week. And my daughter, Cara, said, oh, mum, that's really great that you're helping women get back to the workforce, but why don't you actually help them not have those really big breaks to then need the program, which Totally blew me, blew my From your mind. eight-year-old. And she's so right. that And and for many women, the break is what they want to do and they should do it. Um, And so, and, and I celebrate that. But for many women, they actually don't want to have the break. But the, the challenges of getting back to work come back to policy, parental leave policy, not maternity leave, but parental leave shared policy. Uh, and then organizations and their policies but also what is acceptable so more shared parental leave and mums and dads taking time off and ultimately then that creating the social norms that tell us that that's acceptable and that is the deep rooted kind of root cause of of what we're tapping into but obviously far bigger than what Alpha H can do as a skincare brand. And I do really believe that for really big issues, there's a, there's a role to play in chipping away at the edges because otherwise nothing happens. And so we're really aware that we're not getting to the root cause of the problem. We are just helping in a small way, in a capacity that's possible for our brand and using our network and our platform to 
raise awareness and bring more brands on board. But the deep, the deep um, root cause is 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 much bigger than that. And we're making change slowly. It's going to take time, but it really does come back to the very start, the very start of what happens when both parents take time off, both parents start that shared parenting very early on. Because if we don't start it at the start, it's really hard afterwards because it's not what the children see. It's not what we set up. It's not what then when they have kids down the track, what they think is acceptable. So it's, yeah, it's it's complicated and it will take time, but I do believe it's possible and we will get there. Mm, and as Georgie Dent said in another episode of Freddie or Not, what you do in that first year of parenting does tend to stick forever. Not always, but it does. So it's really interesting that you bring that up. Tina, I love the work you're doing and I'm really excited to see what happens next with the Encore ship. If people want to find Alpha H or the Encore ship online, where should they go? So if you go to alphah.com, which is our website, and then search for the Encore ship, there's information about the program there. For brands, there's an expression of interest button to click and that comes through to us. We'll get in touch. We'll set up a meeting. We'll talk to you about the program and how it works. Um, equally, uh, for anyone that's listening that is considering returning to work and considering in the program, the expression of interest is there. The roles go live this year in July. Uh, about four to six weeks prior, we'll be advertising the roles, mostly through LinkedIn is, is the channel we find most effective. Um, and the alternate place to find us is on LinkedIn. There is a page for the Encore Ship. You can follow us there and then you'll be updated when jobs go live and then just any development with the program that's very exciting some incredible stats on that page as well so i highly recommend people check that out thank you so much for being here and sharing your wisdom with us absolute pleasure thank you so much thanks for listening to ready or not if you liked the show please tell your friends subscribe or write a review you can also find us on instagram at readyornot.pod That's it for today. We'll see you next time.